Today we have a very special guest. Um, he is one of the country's best-known attorneys and authors, uh, Chicago's very own Scott Turow. He's a New York Times best-selling author, has written 13 fiction and three nonfiction books that have been translated into more than 40 languages and sold more than 30 million copies. Um, several have been made into movies, Presumed Innocent, one of the best legal thrillers ever. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Karen. It's nice to be talking with you again. So I, I want to get right into it. We have a new book, and your new book came out uh, in the fall of 2022, and it's called Suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, your uh, agent was nice enough to send it to me. I read it uh, on my exercise bike uh, in about two days. <laughs> and uh, and I, let's let's talk a little bit about it. We're not going to spoil it for anybody, because you're all going to go out there and buy okay. it and read it. But I want to talk about kind of this is a little bit different than your other books in that your book is not written from the perspective of an attorney. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that it's not. Is that fair? You're, yeah, you're, you're right. I guess, I mean, I've had sections of uh, a couple of novels that were not from the point of view of a lawyer, but um, almost always my protagonist is an attorney. So this is the first time that I've written from the point of view of somebody who is not law trained. So you're right. And And I never even thought about that, Karen, till after the book was done. Oh, how interesting. So for for Scott Turow fans, um, if you recall um, the character Sandy Stern, he's the attorney who was played by Raul Julia in Presumed Innocent, uh, has a granddaughter named Pinky, and Pinky has been in at least one other book that I recall. And I want to just, right. you know, it, how do you write from the perspective of somebody who is so completely different from you? And just for people who haven't read it yet... Um, Pinky is uh, bisexual. She's tatted from top to bottom. She's got a nail uh, sticking through her nose. She was probably on the spectrum a little bit, um, I would say. It doesn't read social cues very, very well. But yet she's pretty effective in what she does. How in the world does a Scott Turow, Harvard-educated lawyer, you know, with grandchildren and the like, how do you get into the head of somebody so completely different? Um. You know, if, I, I can't really give you a, a sort of short explanation for that. From the time uh, that I wrote about Pinky in The Last Trial, which was the novel before where she she had a significant role, um, I just had a feeling for this young woman. Uh, when I started this project, I had absolutely um, no sense that I was going to try to write in the first person that is in her voice and it just started coming out that way and uh, i told my editor about it and he shared my feelings that um, that might not have been the smartest choice for somebody who's you know 40 years older and another <laughs> gender and a different sexual orientation and different social experience um and i but i sent him the first chapter uh, written uh, from Pinky's point of view and then written in the third person. Uh, and uh, he said, you're right. And he said, just go ahead, do it this way. Uh, if it, if we don't think it works when you're done, uh, 
it's not that big a deal to rewrite it from the third person. Of course, that's easy for the editor to say. Right. But, um, uh, you know, but and nobody even talked about it uh, after I sent the draft in. It was, um, this was the best way I was going to write this book for, for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, and I had, I had a lot of fun, um, but I, I never had any trouble inhabiting her head. And, and that's and that's what makes you a good novelist, because you obviously become that person, I would imagine. And you probably walk around during the day thinking, what would Pinky do, right? I mean, you know, it's, yeah. she's such a quirky yeah. character. And you know what's interesting is, and I, I do want to get to this, I mean... We want to like the characters, whether we're watching a movie or reading a book. We kind of want to like root for the our characters, and sometimes we we even like to hate people in in our books and our movies. Yeah. But you know, she's kind of an enigma because I, I'm rooting for her, but I don't really like her. I mean, I don't, I can't say I dislike her, but she's just so unusual and quirky. Um, is there some thought when you're writing that you want someone to be likable, or is that just ir- irrelevant to how you write your your novels? And your characters um well i've never written main characters who are totally likable um you know even rusty savage the hero of presumed innocent is um is not courageous in in facing the truth uh, <laughs> that's a nice way in to some say ways is, you know and in some ways is almost a convenient liar so um nobody i you know i don't see people as being either black or white i i will say that um you know there's been a kind of revolution of taste though in the american public i think if you'd asked a hollywood executive 30 years ago whether you could um write a long-running tv series about a group of um uh, people, none of whom are completely likable, um, they would have said absolutely not. And then Mad Men came along and really changed, um, you know, changed the way people um, see things. And, um, you know, it's still Hollywood standard to have the main character be somebody who uh, is, is idealized and who the audience is accustomed to rooting for, but Americans have proved that they can uh, they can root for some pretty um, you know, pretty am- ambiguous people. If you think about Kevin Costner's character in Yellowstone, yes, for example, exactly. Um, you know, he 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 is John Dutton is not a is not a, a warm and uh, you know cuddly guy, uh, and he's a he's a SOB a lot of the time. So uh, the fact that Pinky um, is strange, um, pretty quick to break the rules, and and even quicker to forgive herself for doing that, <laughs> um, you know, there, there are all kinds of reasons that um, that people kind of go, ooh, well, I wouldn't do that. In, in Pinky's case, but uh, the bottom line is whether the reader um, is willing to give her her due 
and is involved with her story, whether they you know want to take her home for dinner or not. That's and and, and so and I I mean I leave that to others to tell me, but people seem to like her as a as a main character if if not as a roommate <laughs> exactly that's that's exactly how i felt actually we are talking to scott Tarot here on wgn we'll be back in a minute welcome back this is the karen conti show here on wgn i'm here with scott Tarot talking about his new book suspect i highly recommend it for everybody fabulous book um and you know i want to just follow up with a quick question on suspect scott um you you uh you talk from the standpoint of this character named pinky who is kind of a, a quirky character and she's a lot younger than you are and there's also a lot of technical information in the book about surveillance and different things like that. And, you know, even when you were talking like Pinky, you were talking from her perspective, you were using terms where I literally had to pull out my Urban Dictionary, Google, and go, what is what yeah. does that word mean? I mean, do you know this stuff? Are you that hip? Or is it like you talk to your grandchildren? Or do you actually have to go, <laughs> you know, like research this like hip talk? Because <laughs> I am so not hip. <laughs> Yeah, mostly it's research. I, I have to admit it. And and by the way, we should say really quickly because we never explained what suspect is about. But oh, yes. is assisting in the defense of a police chief from a um, smaller suburban city, think like Cicero or Berwyn. Uh, and the police chief's been accused of uh, soliciting uh, sexual favors in exchange for promotions on the police force. And the kicker here is that the police chief is female. Um, so that that's the basic run-up of the story. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some stuff, you know, being involved with cops and police departments. That was a big part of uh, the, my practice of law, but whether as a prosecutor or a defense lawyer or um, serving on various public bodies. Um, so I knew I knew about that, but you're right. I did definitely didn't know uh, the speech of millennials, and I, um, I I relied on some people of that age, including uh, my stepdaughter, uh, to sort of set me straight when I wasn't um, using uh, that lingo correctly. I love it. I, I just I just love thinking of you writing this book, you know, using those terms. It was uh, it was funny. And, you know, going back to your, the plot, which I probably should have started with, um, I I'm just curious. You know, you talk about this woman, Lucy, who is a uh, police chief. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, she she was accused of having, uh, you know, soliciting sex for in exchange for uh, promotions. You know, we had a situation in Chicago that was similar to that, uh, gender reversed, of course. Um, but mm-hmm. d- is that mm-hmm. something, d- d- was that an inspiration for the book at all? I mean, reading the newspapers and seeing those kinds of allegations, did that kind of spark an idea, or did this come from some somewhere else? You know, there is, um, it, what stuck in my mind, and I don't know which suburban police department it was, um, where there was a superior officer um, who was having sex with um, officers under her command. And I can't for the life of me remember, but I, and it it goes back uh, at least a decade, but I, and that probably contributed uh, to the plot here. Um, 
but I've got, I've got notes about it, but they're, they're not available right now. Um, but, you know, there's this is not unprecedented in police departments. Um, the FOPs are very strong. Uh, the Fraternal Order of Police, which is the, you know, basically the union, uh, and fraternization, which is a polite term for romantic relationships, uh, is, is often in, in police departments not grounds for any kind of discipline because the FOPs have prevented that. So as a result, um, there is uh, something more hanky-panky within uh, a police department than other workplaces. Uh, and uh, there are all kinds of permutations on this that have taken place across the country. Um, and uh, it, it, it's, you know, if somebody wants to have an amusing night on the Internet, I commend this as, uh, as subject matter. So, <laughs> let's, uh, uh, let's, you know, we, we're running out of time, but I want to play a brief uh, clip from The Rock Bottom Remainders, which is a band of authors uh, with whom you perform on occasion. Uh, Stephen King, Amy Tan, Barbara Kingsolver, Harlan Coben, Dave Barry. I can go on and on. Let's play a little bit of, of one of the pieces. I love it. Is that is that you know, just? <laughs> I'm, tone, I, I'm tone deaf enough that I, I actually think I sound okay. No, you so, do sound okay. Uh, <laughs> you do. <laughs> I wouldn't say good, but okay. I love I it. Okay. I, I just love watching you. If anyone wants to watch something really fun, and you are a, an avid reader as I am, it's just so much fun to see all these authors get together, different uh, iterations of you all playing musical instruments, dancing, singing, and uh, and, and uh, otherwise enjoying yourselves. But um, uh, I, I just wanted to share that with our audience. Scott Tarot, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you come on again. And everyone, please go oh, out and buy Suspect, which is Scott Tarot's new book, and stay tuned for The Presumed Innocent, a new um, a new version of the old classic. Thank you so much, Scott. Have a great year. Thank you, Karen. You too. Happy New Year to everybody. All right. Bye-bye.